We're going to read from the Bible. Listen to these words as if God wants to speak this to you. The first passage is from Colossians, which is a letter that Paul wrote. Chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. And it's on the screen. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. And then the second reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Well, good evening, everyone. I'm Cathy. I'm one of the pastors here. For those I haven't met, it's really good to have you here. Steve and I went visiting a number of churches over our four months off last year and we we often felt like we came in in the midst of something and didn't quite know what was going on. And so I just want to just do a really quick snapshot of what's happening in PBC right now. And for those of you who have been here week after week, you'll go, yeah, yeah, I know this, but this is for those who are here tonight who don't know it, okay? So... In response to what we believe the Lord has called us to, over 400 of us this year have committed ourselves to pray regularly for Jesus to transform lives. We are praying with faith and expectation, with boldness and persistence. And we're praying for those who don't yet know him, those who once knew him, and also praying for those of us who already know him, including ourselves. And so these names are all on this soil under this tree over here. You're still welcome to join us if you haven't yet jumped in on that. Some of us are praying, we've called them ask prayers. Some of us are praying ask prayers in family groups. We're praying them in ministry groups. We're praying them in small groups with friends. And we're also seeking the Father individually as well. And so for the last six weeks, we have been teaching our way through this ask acronym, ask, seek and knock. And it's been an awesome, awesome series, yeah? So if you missed any, I just really encourage you to jump on the website and catch up on the ones that you missed. But as we wrap up this series tonight, so we're just wrapping up the teaching series. We're not wrapping up the praying, just to be very clear. Praying goes all year. As we wrap up this series, we come back to this focus of ask. And this is the conviction that Jesus really does transform lives. In our joy as a pastoral team, we meet on Mondays and sometimes we get to share stories of the things that God has been doing. And sometimes they have names attached and sometimes people would prefer to be anonymous and so we just speak of like you know people anonymously. But it's been our joy to hear of two people in our church who have been connected with our church who have given their lives to Christ for the first time. A couple of stories of significant depression that has been over people where it's actually lifted and something really significant has shifted in them. There's been a few people that have stepped into our church community after a very long absence from any church connection at all. There's been a, a recommitment and, and we have heard story after story of people who are taking significant steps forward. So I just want to say, please come and share your stories with us and just keep praying. Just keep praying for what God is doing. So as we jump into where we're going tonight, let's pray. Lord, we come with expectancy to your word because we know that it's your delight to speak to us. And so, God, we just want to position our hearts before you tonight. We pray, help us to hear the things that you're wanting us to hear. And, Lord God, I just want to pray that your Holy Spirit would bring a really deep understanding, a deep revelation of those truths. Father, I want to pray that we would walk away from here tonight just with that really, really profound conviction that Jesus really 
does transform lives. And it's not a question of whether he will, but he does. And so, God, I just want to pray, be speaking to us into that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to take you back in time, right back to the beginning, the creator, the one who is the very definition of love and perfection set out to create. Now, this story wasn't necessarily a scientific description of how it happened or how long it took, but rather one that tells us that there was an intelligent designer, a creator who brought creation into being. He sculpted landscapes. He handcrafted plants. He came up with some crazy designs for animals. He stood back and he admired what he created because it was good. Very, very good. But it wasn't enough. And so he created a guy and a girl in his own image. And on the eastern side of this creation, he planted a garden that was especially for them, a flawless garden that was filled with edible delicacies, a place where this couple that he'd created could fully enjoy intimacy with their creator, a safe place of harmony and freedom, freedom to choose to love their creator and to share companionship with him and with each other. In his wisdom... The creator banned just one thing. There was a tree whose fruit would cause them harm and so they were free to do anything except eat from that one tree. So you know what happens. The effects of the prohibited fruit were immediate. New feelings shattered the perfection of intimacy. Fear, shame and blame drove them to hiddenness. The creator did not come into the garden to spy out their nakedness, but he came for companionship. But now the trees that had been the context of their freedom now became the context of their cover-up. The garden, which had been a place of delight, was now a prison of their shame and guilt. Genesis 1 and 2 start out as a mirror of perfection that God created, but when Adam and Eve abandoned their trust in God's goodness and love and chose to believe that they knew better in Genesis 3, that mirror of perfection was shattered into a thousand pieces. Each little piece still reflected something of the earlier beauty, but now the picture was fragmented, the perspectives were distorted, and it was hard to see the whole. The consequences of Adam and Eve's sin would be far-reaching. That which the Creator had previously blessed now came under a curse. The joyous dance of creation became a dirge as a shadow falls over all things. The mutual relationship that Adam and Eve had enjoyed together in Genesis 2 now became one of male dominance and relational struggle. Adam and Eve's role as caretakers in the garden, where creation naturally produced an abundance of food and good things, now became painful and hard work to make the land yield its fruit. Birth itself became hard labour. Companionship with the Creator became alienation. Indeed, their very life now comes under the curse of death. Not an immediate physical execution, but death being a change of place before God, where blessing becomes curse, freedom becomes bondage, companionship becomes alienation from the garden and from the Creator. And this curse would ripple down through every generation to every person who would follow Adam. Because of his actions, all of the human race after him would be born mortal with the cancer of corruption in their hearts. That is the backdrop into which Jesus came. You see, when we talk about Jesus transforming lives, if we start in the New Testament, it's like coming in halfway through a movie. 
so you can get the gist of what's happening now and you can see how it ends, but you don't get to appreciate the significance of what really happens for the characters involved. When Jesus came, the kingdom of God broke into the mess that began right back in Genesis 3. Jesus broke the curse that was over creation. This is huge. And so, where death had brought slow decay to mortal bodies, Jesus exercised his authority and he brought healing. Where relationships were sabotaged by dominance and an abuse of power, Jesus brought peace and equality. Galatians 3.28 says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Everything that was causing inequality and problem in relationship, now it says you are all one in Christ Jesus. Where alienation had been brought by sin, Jesus reconciled us back to God. Colossians 1.21 and 22 says, Once you were alienated from God. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Where the curse had destined us to spiritual death in Christ, we are brought back to eternal life that starts the moment we put our faith in Jesus as Saviour and Lord and will continue without end. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam... It says everyone who belongs to Christ, everyone who has put their faith in his saving work will be given new life. Do you get it? Jesus broke the curse and he is redeeming all things back to himself. That mirror of perfection that was shattered by sin in Genesis 3 is now being put back together by Christ. There's a picture in Revelation 21 and 22 where one day the entire mirror of creation will be restored. Perfection itself will be restored. It says in those chapters in Revelation that God will dwell among his people just as he'd done in the garden. There'll be no more death, sorrow, crying or pain. It says there'll be a river with a tree of life growing on each bank. And this is the imagery taken up from the garden right back in creation. And it says the leaves of those trees would be for the healing of the nations. And then referring again back to Genesis 3, it says, No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him and they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads. Jesus is redeeming all things back to himself. One day, perfection will be restored in its entirety. But right now, We live in the now and the not yet of the kingdom. And I reckon we know this. You know, any quick glance at the news, any listening to any media, you know this. We know that sickness and decay, you know, Jesus can heal, but we know that sickness and decay still plague us, don't we? We know that relationships can be made absolutely beautiful in Christ, but we also know that the wounds of dominance and inequality can still reign in some relationships. And we know that even though Christ calls all people back to himself, that many will still choose alienation. Many lives will be scarred by the sinful choices of their own and those of other people as well. And I think we know this only too well coming out of Christ Church on Friday. And you know, even those of us who know Christ are at times poor reflections of the one that we've been made in the image of. You know, when we pray these ask prayers this year, it's like we're picking up fragments of a shattered mirror 
knowing that Jesus has done everything through his death and his resurrection for this peace, this person to be restored back into the image that he intended. Peace by peace, life by life, he is restoring his creation back into the perfection that he designed it to be. The words that the Lord impressed on my spirit for today is that there is nothing and no one that Jesus cannot redeem. There is no life that is so far gone that it cannot be turned around. No past that cannot be healed in him. No struggle that cannot find victory. No apathy that cannot be awakened. There is nothing and no one that Jesus cannot redeem. Ask with faith. Ask with expectation. Ask with boldness. Ask with persistence. Keep asking. Jesus does transform lives. You see, the very truth of all of this is that we know that as we're asking, that we are asking in line with the will of God because we know that he's working all things back to perfection in the end. And so when we ask for this transformation, is it a, mm, maybe, absolutely not because Jesus paid a really high price for this curse to be broken. I really love the stories in scripture where we get to see lives that are completely turned around in the Gospels. You know, I reckon these are people who would have been discarded pieces of this shattered mirror. They would have been considered by the God followers of the day just so far gone. They would have been just discarded, worthless, never going to change. So I love these stories. Zacchaeus, a shady Jew who collects taxes for the oppressive Roman government. But not only that, He rips off his own people, skimming money for himself on the side. Zacchaeus, the greedy, white-collared criminal who encounters Jesus and gets transformed to the very core of his corruption. And greed gets turned into generosity. Or the man from Gerasenes. He is so affected by demons that the people in his town are so scared of him that they put him outside of the town. They put him in a cemetery where they chain him up and here this guy just howls and he spends his time self-harming. This man who is so beyond human help encounters Jesus and he's so changed by this encounter that the town folk just do not know what to make of it. Or Saul, so threatened by Jesus' followers, so driven by his hatred of them, so zealous for the law that he embarks on a campaign of murdering Christians. Saul, so feared by the followers of Jesus, encounters the risen Christ and he becomes the most passionate follower of Jesus in his time. Or Peter, Peter the fearful, who couldn't even admit in a fireside conversation with a handful of others that he knew Jesus. Peter the ashamed and washed up. Peter who encounters the resurrected Jesus on a beach and he becomes one of the boldest and most public proponents of the Christian faith of his time. Or the sinful woman. We don't know her past, but the Pharisees do and they hold it against her. The sinful woman who is so affected by Jesus' grace that she takes probably the most valuable thing that she has and it's this little alabaster jar of a really, really expensive perfume. And she takes it Out of her appreciation for what Jesus has done, she breaks it over Jesus' body and she anoints him with this perfume. It says, we're told, it's in preparation for his burial. And she does this all in the presence of a group of Pharisees who all the while, while she's doing this extravagant, generous act of devotion, are just directing their barbs of humiliation at her. Or Mary Magdalene, who was freed from seven evil spirits. Now, goodness knows what her reputation was. 
but Mary who encounters Jesus and she is so overwhelmed by the freedom that she finds that she becomes one of Jesus' most courageous and faithful disciples and women didn't do that back then, right? But Mary turns up at the crucifixion, she's there at the burial and she is back at Jesus' grave on the third day to anoint Jesus' body only to become the first witness of the resurrection. There is nothing and no one that Jesus cannot redeem. Peace by peace, life by By life, he is putting his created ones back into who he created them to be, fitting shattered pieces of this broken mirror back together. It's the transformation that happens when we first come to Christ, but then it's the ongoing transformation of our lives that just kind of keep polishing up our lives so that the image of Christ becomes clearer and clearer in us. Throughout this year, would you keep asking Jesus to transform lives. Respond to him by asking for those that he puts on your heart. No one is too far gone. Pray with timeliness whenever he burdens you for them. You know, one of the things I've loved about Ask is that it's broken out in in our lives and so not only do we just ask when we sit down together to do Ask Praying, like ask just spills out of me when I'm at the shops and something prompts me to pray for a person or you know when I'm walking around the block and God put brings someone to mind and so just I guess I want to say pray with timeliness because the spirit knows what's going on in a person's life and he will burden us once we start in this prayer groove I reckon he's just going to drop into our spirits names of people pray for them right now pray for them right now and so I just want to encourage you allow ask to spill into the nooks and crannies of your life And, you know, when you're tempted to shake your head in despair, because I don't know if you do this, but sometimes I watch the news and I do it. We shake our head in despair and we just think, man, you know, it's just so broken. This person is so, so evil, you know? Like when we looked at the news on Friday, it was just like, how could a 28-year-old guy do this? But when we're tempted to shake our head in despair, I want to say, let's shake our faith instead. Let's shake our faith to believe that Jesus does and can transform someone's life. No one is too far gone. And so I reckon the greater the challenge, the greater the brokenness, the greater the dysfunction, whatever it is, the greater the possibility then for transformation, the greater the glory that gets to go to God as he moves in someone's life. Ask with faith knowing that there is nothing and no one that Jesus cannot redeem. We're going to do that right now. I'm going to lead you in a time of prayer and I get you active in this time as well because I want us to revisit a couple of the prayer postures that we've been led in in the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to vary up the ASK acronym a little bit. So we're going to begin with SEEK. And so just going back to that exercise we did a couple of weeks ago, just with your palms facing down in your lap, release to the Father that which you're carrying right now. Just release any heavy loads, release any stress, worries, fears. Release those emotions that keep you at a distance from him. Release any sin that you might have been engaging in. Just take time to identify what you need to release. And now, would you just flick your palms over and face them upwards? And this is a posture of receiving. So receive from the Father. There might be a word or a promise that he brings to mind. 
Or you might receive something of his character that he just wants to minister into you, love, or joy, or peace, his kindness. You might receive his power to break the chains of something that has held you. You might receive his healing for something, or receive his forgiveness. But just allow the Father to show you what it is he would put in your hands right now. And now let's ask for others. And so we come with these prayers with faith and expectation. Ask for Jesus' transforming presence in the life of someone you know. Just do that now. Jesus' transforming presence in the life of another. And using Trav's knock posture from last week, you know, knocking is really very much about the really hard, the hard places, the hard lives, the hard situations where we can't even begin to fathom how there could be a turnaround. Trav had us lift up those people, just physically raising our hands, just lifting up those people, those situations, those places that you long to see open to a move of God. So would you just do that right now? Lift them up in prayer, knowing that Jesus has done everything for the curse to be broken, that there is no one and nothing that is too far gone. Jesus, I want to thank you that in Scripture we have the big story right from the beginning right through to how it ends. And God, I want to thank you for the privilege of living in such a time as this where you have already come, where you have broken the curse, where you have empowered us with your Holy Spirit. And now you just ask that we would partner with you in putting these shattered pieces back together and polishing them up to reflect more and more of your image and the image of perfection. God, I want to thank you for the privilege that that is. And I want to pray, Lord, that we won't sit in apathy through this time of history, but God, we would take up the responsibility, but we would take it up with great joy in the adventure of seeing you transform lives. God, I want to pray that we would be diligent, diligent in prayer and faith-filled, Lord God, that we would come to you with expectancy because you have done everything that is needed for a life to be turned around. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.